Why don't we um, say hi and good morning to Olivia Evans. Good morning, Olivia. Good morning. Um, How are you both? We're going well, yeah, thank great. you. Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. Good. So whereabouts do we find you, Olivia, today? I am sitting, looking out the window at my house in Brisbane. In Brizzy. Excellent. Yes. Um, and uh, has Brizzy been having all this rain like uh, like the guys in Sydney have? Oh, for been going on for about eight months it feels but it feels like an eternity but this weekend we've been blessed with two of the most amazing proper brisbane winter days so clear it's it's beautiful it's time to get the mowing done really probably a, a, a lazy yeah. 20 degrees or something like that up there, is it? <laughs> it's about 20 degrees oh, so it's, it's sort of jumper weather for us you know everyone's <laughs> yeah, I've got the young boots on <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not even joking. <laughs> no, no, my, my brother lives in Cairns and he, he'll come down to Melbourne, it's 26 and he's wearing a jumper. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Better um, So uh, now, Olivia, we want to get you on because you, you've got a, a pretty cool story and you, you do some pretty fun things in, in wine. Um, tell us a little bit about what what sort of, you know, captivated you about the, you know, wine and, and all of its related things. You're, you're a... Um, Certified sommelier. You've um, so you've done a lot of work in in, in hospitality. Um, but tell us a little bit about the uh, Olivia Evans story. Well, it's it's funny that you say it's cool. I'm glad that that you think so. Um, I I am sort of hospitality minded and and always have been up until this sort of last twelve months um, of my life. So I was lucky to sort of fall into wine. Um, it just sort of became part of the restaurant landscape and and uh, unexpected but natural progression for me to go into wine. Um, I was very lucky working at a restaurant in the UK that allowed me to do that. It was mm-hmm. the first restaurant that I had worked in where there was a team of sommeliers. There was two on at every service. We had a menu that changed every day and a wine matching that changed every day. And I thought... Mm that those sommeliers were the coolest people in the world, just watching them um, sort of liaise with the chefs every day and come up with flavours and really have everything so considered um, and to have the skill to do that. So I sort of made a point that I was interested in it and everything just unfolded for me after that. So it was a real turning point and, and I feel very fortunate to have that experience. Um, so when I came home, I sort of fumbled around a little bit trying to figure out what the next stage was Um, and I was very lucky to meet a gentleman called Peter Scudamore-Smith who is a master of wine and he helped me a lot with my sort of blind tasting and a more formal approach to wine and study so that I could pursue those those avenues of study. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and everything's just sort of... I've you know sort of unfurled since then. It's been it's been a really amazing journey. I've being got a, wine. I'd like to just double back a little bit on that uh, sommelier thing you were talking about because I think that great sommeliers there's a real art and a real imagination to to matching things and kind of having the you know I suppose imagination to really look at it like that. It's not just about getting wines on a list or looking at costs of goods and all that sort of stuff, is it? When you see a really good one at work. It, quite, it can be quite fascinating. Wine matching for me, like food and wine matching, and in my, my job that I was doing previous to what I'm doing now, it was a huge focus um, as, as my job was to, 
to do a, a beverage matching. And it can be something that's often overlooked as a, as a service or an option when you're dining. But when it's done well, it is such an elevating experience. And, mm. it, and it can be really humbling as well. It doesn't have to be this sort of, you know, greatest or, or most well-known wines or just to have a, a matching that is, you know, sort of full of these, um, you know, great wines that makes it a great matching. It can be something so subtle mm. that just is the perfect um the perfect thing for the dish and that's what's great about matching it sort of humbles you and makes you look at wines for what they are not for what their label is or what their vintage is those sorts of things that we get caught up in yeah and it's you know it's i think a lot of people when they go to restaurants um maybe feel a little bit intimidated by the summit you know the som who is you know this expert who knows everything about wine and and you know but really it's not about that and it's actually the the restaurant's providing such a service to be able to have someone like Olivia you know, come to the table and talk through this simple dish. And like you say, you know, here's this simple wine, but the pairing is awesome and this is what I'd have with it. Or if you want a white, then I'd try this. And, and then sort of being able to extend people's repertoire, I guess, would be one of the most, um, you know, thrilling bits, I reckon, for me. Yeah, I think watching a guest have a sort of life light bulb moment mm. where they yeah. really, you know, it's, it's a great variety that they're writing it down or they're, you know, jotting it into their phone, like, I have to find more of this. That's a really rewarding experience. And and the intimidating side, I think, is something that I learned really quickly in wine because I was so intimidated for so long um, in my initial stages of my career. So I think it was almost like a bone that I had to pick to make sure I was the complete opposite of intimidating oh, yeah, absolutely. when it came to talking about wine. For, for the listeners, like, what are some of the basic rules for, or, you know, ideas, not rules, mm. ideas for food and wine matching, you know? Like, so we all know about red wine and meat and things like that, but do you have a kind of basic starting pack maybe for the for the listeners? I think it's... For me, the thing about food and wine matching is often the sort of the weight and the texture of the wine yeah. and nothing to do with the flavor characters. That's yeah. sort of, and that's such a personal experience, the flavor characters in a wine. But whether something is sort of silky or broad or you know, sort of hard on the palate or, or acid, um, you know, the, the presence of acid is, is very important when it comes to matching. But sort of looking at the, the weight of the dish so if you're looking at a red meat dish but you have a very weighty white wine that would also go beautifully together I'm oh, absolutely. very much about you know mixing things up and sort of challenging your mindset or challenging your palate a little bit because that's what makes it so exciting well, what are the, so, what are some of the really really interesting ones that you've come across over the years just like really mind blowing things that you didn't think wow that's that's incredible um Probably one of my favourite matches um, at my previous job was a fish dish. It was a white fish dish. The fish sort of changed quite frequently. Um, And it was served with a thermidor sauce with uh, horseradish grated on top. So I was sort of losing my mind a little bit um, (laughs) as to what to do with it. And we ended up going with a chilled Cabernet Franc, which was sort of carbonic maceration yeah, so it was quite perfect. sort of juicy but it had this amazing spice yeah it's sort of 
wonderful medicinal spice quality that worked so well with the horseradish. It didn't overpower the fish. Mm -hmm. The tannins were really quite soft. So it was just, and it was a surprise. I wasn't expecting it It, to work so well. Isn't that something that that kind of expands people's minds, you know, the chilling of a red wine, Mm -hmm. you know, because it works better that way. Um, You know, so this is where people need to sort of trust the sommelier um, to guide them. (laughs) You know, because they've done this match and they've found these things that work with with that menu at that place. Yeah, I guess often, you know, in in any ideal scenario, we've definitely gone to the effort to taste everything first and to and to really finalise it. So it's nothing that's happening off the cuff. You know, mm. we're we're not going to put any thought it through. No, but yeah. it, you you want to make it look like it's off the cuff sometimes. <laughs> just yeah. yeah, just sort of. Pulled this one out, you know, one of the... This old uh, thing. Yeah, oh, this, well, that old chestnut. Now, look, I had to do a, when I was living in Europe, I had to do a chocolate and wine matching masterclass and I was dreading it because I just don't think those two things go together. But I'm like, okay, it's an opportunity for me to learn. But the greatest one that I found was white chocolate and Clare Valley Riesling. It's just... Really? so Yeah, because all the acid cuts through the big fat kind of content of the... Mm. Well, milk chocolate's not really milk chocolate. It's not chocolate per se. But that worked really well and, and it blew my mind. And then uh, to find something with my portfolio, because I had a bunch of New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs in there, that worked with the local food. So salty licorice and Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc is mind-blowing together. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah just, and I, I only accidentally found it because I dropped some licorice in my, in my, in my drink and someone <laughs> dared me to have it. I was like, yeah, this is actually really good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. That would be the new thing. Well, you just never know. Do you? Most, most of the good things in life are accidental, aren't they, really, at some yeah. point? Well, Including wine, really. Yeah. Totally, yeah, total accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, penicillin, of course, is that, that same story. You know, that they left it in a overnight in a petri dish and came back and all of a sudden, you know, penicillin was born. So, um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Howard Florey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, uh, Olivia, these days, um, where are you uh, working and, um, you know, uh, and are you working actively as a sommelier um, most of the time because you do a bit of writing and some events and that sort of thing? Yeah, so I've, I've sort of hung up my um, service boots for the time being, um, when I moved back to Brisbane, I sort of decided to take a different direction um, just for something sort of new. So I'm working for Lo-Fi Wines, which is a small distribution company focusing on sort of minimal intervention wines from Europe and Australia and New Zealand. Um, so I'm doing that sort of part-time, um, which gives me a chance to also do a little bit of writing on the side and organise some pretty fun events. So I've been, um, yeah, I've actually really enjoyed this sort of repping life, which I, I didn't ever think is something that I wanted to do. But I'm so grateful to work with a portfolio that I really believe in. And mm. I just get to go around and see my friends in Brisbane all day and taste <laughs> wine with them and to show them and all these cool things and tell them great stories about the producers. So it's, it really is like I do pinch myself sometimes okay. that this is my job. Yeah, well, Richo's a bit the same. He just wanders around Dan's store and uh, and chats to people about, about wine and helps them spend their money. Tough, tough day. <laughs> yeah, well, tough, the, the, the service aspect of it, though, you know, after years working in restaurants late at night, all that sort of stuff, you must be just happy to get your mornings mm. back, you know? 
It is a very different lifestyle and I've sort of, you know, fallen into it quite comfortably. It's, it is lovely. I definitely miss service and I miss working in a restaurant and with chefs, but I'm so lucky that the restaurants that I do work with in Brisbane, um, sort of, you know, selling wine, I kind of feel like I'm part of the team when I get there. It's sort of not a, you know, sales job in that sense. I just get to chat with them about what's going on with the menu and and it's a very um, sort of integrated type of meeting. So it is lovely to have um, a a sort of different lifestyle. Hmm. What are are some of the uh, cool spots to go dine in Brisbane then? Oh, there are so many. Brisbane is amazing. It's been I've been away for four years and I'm just absolutely blown away with how um, how much has changed and just how many amazing, passionate people there are in Brisbane. So, I mean, I could probably spend 20 minutes listing off all of the names, but um, I've got a few favourite spots. There's a restaurant in South Brisbane called Maeve. Well, it's Maeve Wine Bar, but, you know, you can go there for a full restaurant experience and the most gorgeous service the wine list is well executed and the food is just like mouth-watering sort of french bistro european style food um agnes is another sort of more um well discussed restaurant yeah um, it's won a few awards for its lists and stuff hasn't it yeah and, and which one's this okay Atlas. Oh, Atlas, yeah, right. Yeah. No, sorry. Oh, sorry. It's Agnes. Oh, Agnes. Sorry, Agnes. Agnes. Yeah, Agnes. sorry. Sounding very similar. So Agnes is a, a restaurant um, that's part of the same group who own Same Same. They own um, Bianca. Uh, they have a bakery and a little bar called Loss um, and another restaurant called Honto. So they're sort of making quite a, a sort of scene in Brisbane, which mm-hmm. is amazing, but each restaurant has its own unique personality as well yeah oh, that's, um, yeah we're uh, we're chatting with olivia evans um if anyone wants to text in a question um we should remind everyone of that number it's uh zero four five six ninety six five ninety six five um so sorry olivia um we uh yes because we've got some regular um, listeners who, who text in questions i think so um so tell us about some of your your events that you're um that you have been doing and, and got upcoming? At the moment, I'm working on an event which I'm very excited about because it's something that I've never done before. Um, but there's a fantastic music uh, group in Brisbane called the Boxties, uh, and they are very talented sort of group of four um, musicians, and they create these sort of very unique intimate experiences themselves and I think during COVID not being able to be sort of performing in front of large audiences made them shift to wanting to do these small scale music events Mm -hmm. Um, and we sort of met quite serendipitously and we're going to do a music and wine like sort of pairing Mm -hmm. afternoon on a Sunday so Mm -hmm. the idea is that um, you know, during rehearsals that I've been attending and I bring a bag of wines with me, they'll sort of play a song and I'll write my notes on the song, whether there's sort of softness there or whether you have, um, you know, a sort of cheeky tone to the melody and all of these kind of descriptors. And then I apply those same descriptors to a wine and see if we can make some kind of sensory um, match which has been really fun to do. I mean, if, if all goes wrong, we're just listening to 
music and drinking wine. So it's <laughs> welcome really to my world. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I feel so lucky, um, and I think that that might translate nicely to the guests as well. Um, it's sort of, I think there's definitely something in in you know what you can hear and how what you can hear changes what you can taste, and so that's yeah that's what we're working on at the moment, which I think will be really fun. Yeah, I've I've I'm an ex professional musician so the music and wine thing is something I'm really passionate about cool. and I've, I've done yeah it's so much fun probably the be- the most fun event I did was in London and it was a full beverage matching of OK Computer on its 20th anniversary um, <laughs> and it was sort of like because it turned 25 last week and it reminded me and it was like Everything was timed and, and themed. So, yeah, you can go in two ways. You can match the wines with the music or you can try and change the way the wine is with the music. So, like, mm. by playing really deep bass notes, you can bring out certain things. And I find that in certain classical music it brings out the tannins more in Cabernet. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so weird but so yeah. much fun to explore. It does sound weird to say. You sort of think, am I losing people when I start discussing this? But <laughs> no, I know no, that you're gaining, um, you're gaining. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a woman in New Zealand who set up a wine bar based on this idea that different music will have a different effect um, on the wine and, and bring out, you know, you might listen to sort of heavy metal and find that the acid in the wine is really quite searing and, and these exact... Um, topics, so that's really interesting. Oh no, it totally, and it's something that you know. It's basically all I think about is food, wine, cats, music, cats, <laughs> cats. cats, and wine are a great mix as well. Except they keep they just use their paws to knock your glass over. I don't. I don't that's why I've got really cheap glassware now. I don't have a cat anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, it's like it's it can totally think about that immersive experience of what wine can be and and music's the same thing. Mm. And so, yeah, one can influence the other. And, and they're not always positive, but it, it's really fun to try and play with those those ideas, I reckon. So, well done. That sounds like... Yeah. I want to come up and, and hang out and do that. That'd yeah. be fun. Well, where, please do. Where are, um, where are you having them and, um, you know, when can people sort of, uh, you know, buy tickets or go there or whatever? What's the timeline? So we are working on July for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be holding it in a wine bar in Brisbane called Mr. Chester. They've got a really beautiful, sort of moody, intimate space. And we'll do it on a Sunday afternoon just because, I mean, it's Sunday afternoon drinking is always a good idea. But it's a, a day where we're not under any pressure as they're not normally open. So, yeah, um, cool. you know, it's a, it's a really great way to utilise this beautiful space um, we will probably have tickets out, I think, in the next two weeks. So I'll try and do the social media marketing thing that I'm getting better at and uh, <laughs> put some information out. Um, so, okay, so people should follow you on your Instagram, so? That's probably yep. the best as far as, um, yeah, me sort of letting people know what's, what's going on. Okay, and so your, your Instagram handle is what? It's just Olivia Evans, but I've got some underscores between it. So it's Olivia underscore underscore Evans underscore underscore. <laughs> right. Speaking of social media, <laughs> I've just, just kind of scanning through some of your posts and I came across a Swedish wine book from um, Frida Lund. Um, how do you know oh, her? Are you, do you have a Swedish connection? What's, what's going on there? Um, so Frida is a very good friend of my partner's. Um, he used to live with them um, and 
live with them in Norway, her and her partner. And so I've just gotten to know her. Um, and, you know, we talk quite often online and, and cool. you know, she's just such a great character and she's such a great advocate for food and wine in Sweden. I think she has a podcast that is the most listened to food podcast in Sweden now. Well, yeah, there's a, um, there's a bunch of pretty top critics over there. And I, I lived there for three years doing a lot of events in Northern Europe. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, of course... Culturally, that's going to inform what kind of food and wine matching you do as well. But obviously, like with them, they have a lot of cream and a lot of salty kind of dishes, which is just a historical thing. And the other one I think that's really interesting for people up there is the snus. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's they put the the tobacco up on their gums mm-hmm. and they, they yeah. often... So I did a tasting up there called You Snooze, You Lose because I remember being at a Burgundy tasting and all of them had the snooze in their mouth while they were tasting wine. Oh, so right. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's, it's like it, American chewing tobacco. Yeah, kind yeah. Of ba- yeah, and in Norway they use the, the loose stuff and it's it's unbelievable. Mm. Like it's really... I And, you know, I've had the odd dart over the years and I... The guy's like, you should try it. And I, I put one up there and it just made me vomit. It was horrible. There was so much tobacco. It was like, boom. <laughs> but, yeah, that's cool. Yes. Have you been up to visit? Have you ever been up there? No. Um, the plan was to go a couple of years ago. So we um, will hopefully go um, early next year. I'm, I'll be going to France for work next year. So we might try and tie in a few a few catch-ups. A couple of little side um, trips, absolutely. Yeah, of course. It's obligatory. It sounds... Sounds like a must-do. Um, Olivia, it's been really nice meeting you. Um, thank you. And um, we look forward to, to hearing a little bit more about those events, so people should keep an eye out, um, as I say. So it's Olivia underscore underscore Evans underscore underscore. <laughs> when do you stop? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, you will find her. Uh, and so, yes, follow um, follow your and, – and look out for the, uh, you know, posts about that. Um Let's keep in touch with, you know, other things that you've got coming up and certainly if there's anything down in Melbourne that people can get to more easily than, um, than heading up to Brizzy. But, um, yeah, we'd uh, love to have a chat down the track. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a delightful way to spend the Sunday morning. <laughs> Agreed. Thank so, you. <laughs> thank you. See you later. Thank you. Have a Thanks. great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.